This is the podcast by the Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by the Straits Times, where we analyze the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. My name is Audrey Tan, and my guests today are two Singaporeans with a passion for the planet, Tiun and Farah. Welcome both. Hey guys. Hello. So it is that time of the year again where people are trying to make New Year's resolutions, even though not all of them might be kept. But you know, with so much public awareness about climate change now, some people may be wondering what they can do to make the planet a more livable place. So I mean, you guys have one simple suggestion for people, which is to practice more of the first of the three R's, which is to reduce. So far, maybe you can start by telling us a bit more about your own sustainability journey, which started back in 2014. Right. So I've been working for, I know I was working for Sustainable Living Lab. That's a social innovation lab since 2013. And in 2014, we were, towards the end of the year, we were wondering, you know, how else do we want to shift the society towards a more sustainable future? And we considered the whole sustainability journey, which is like your consumption to post-consumption. And it made sense for us to address a post-consumption more than pre-consumption, like as in like consumption itself, because we didn't know how to like approach people to like stop buying and stuff like that, because it doesn't make sense, right? So I think post-consumption was something that we could do, which is waste management. And so to reduce waste in the first place, we want to reduce or we could repair things to prolong the life of the product. And so we had this concept of a repair kopitiam, which is basically like a repair cafe, like how it's done in the Netherlands. So what people would do is like they would learn how to repair things and then come down and repair their stuff together as a community. So the model started in 2014 where we had this learn how to repair and at the end of the month we would go down to the residential areas, void decks, and have stuff repaired together. So we have people who've been trained, so they become repair coaches and they will coach people, the public, through repair stuff. So that's been a movement that's been going on for the past since 2014. So what do you guys repair exactly? Like, is it electronic items or household items? So we open it up to things that didn't have a repair shop for. So bicycles we didn't want to repair because nearby there would be a bicycle repair shop. We repaired a lot of appliances. I think we figured out that the number of appliances that we got was so high that we ended up having a huge space for appliances. We also opened up to mechanical items, you know, like tables and chairs and whatnot. But people just needed materials more than coaching for that. So it's mostly appliances. Was it free for people to attend? Yes, it's absolutely free. People just come down and then um, we've had really interesting, very memorable moments where people actually contribute back by either giving a donation or... I remember like a long time back, we had someone who had her air fryer repaired and she came down with food that was prepared by that air fryer. Oh, that's really a true kopitiam experience. <laughs> yeah. So tell us more about you decided to go more on a post-consumer kind of thing. So what is the motivation behind it? Like to repair instead of buying something new? We felt that if you actually push for the whole society to like shun away from consumption, it's not going to be easy. And it's going to take some time. I think Chiyun will tell us more about that later. And so it made sense for us to just bring that message of loving your item, loving the things that you have. And a lot of people actually came down with items that they wanted to prolong life for because they actually feel so strongly for the product. Like, for example, we had this rice cooker that was a wedding gift. And so they wanted to let it last a long time. So that's why people wanted to go with that. Actually, I can personally identify with that because recently I went on holiday and I bought a pair of earrings from a flea market. And it was made of ceramic and I dropped it and it broke. So I fixed it myself because I know that I wouldn't be able to replace it, right? Unless I like fly all the way back there. So I, yeah, I fixed it. So you must be proud of me. I am. <laughs> okay, but yeah, you know, speaking of earrings and like shopping and fashion accessories and stuff, that is also another big contributor to waste, right? To, and maybe you can tell us a bit more. 
I think in talking about that kind of shopping consumer culture, we do consume a lot in there. When I was doing research, I found out that beyond Singles Day of 11-11, there was 9-9, 10-10, and then Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And I think that was shocking to me about how there are all these consumer festivals just encouraging people to buy more and buy for cheap. So I remember seeing my friends post about things like, oh, this t-shirt was 70 cents or this earring was 50 cents and they wanted to get it because it was cheap. And I think talking about that kind of culture, you don't really value the item that you're buying. You're really buying because it's cheap and you are sort of coerced by marketing to say, okay, I want this when you technically don't really want this most of the time. And that got me down this research spiral where I went to find out more about, okay, so how much does 11.11 contribute to environmental damage? And I found out that from 11.11 sales, there was research done where actually 60% of people return or don't want the stuff that they bought on singles mm. day, which is 11.11. And to me, that was, wow, that was a lot of waste produced. Tyrion, you are an environmental studies student, right? So was that one of the reasons why you were doing research in this area? I think not really. It was more of curiosity because with all these festivals coming up, I was wondering. I never really found out what is the link between my consumption and climate change. So I did some basic search and I think that led me down to even like searching for more things. So, I mean, you mentioned all these consumerist festivals and I think the most uh, recent one was the Black Friday sales in end November. In response to Black Friday, you brought a movement that started in Europe to Singapore, right? Maybe you can tell us a bit more about White Monday. Yeah, so White Monday actually takes place on the Monday before Black Friday and it was a movement that came from Sweden. And we, so me and my friend Sammy, who runs educational program called Accommodate, so we decided that since this guy is here, can we run like a Singapore chapter? Because we wrote an article about Singles Day and why that consumer culture is not great for the environment. So what White Monday does is not really to tell people like don't buy anything. It's really to get people to rethink the way that they consume. So what White Monday does is, okay, maybe you don't buy anything this Black Friday, but if you really want to buy something, consider alternatives like reuse, rent or repair like Farah said. So it was to raise awareness that, you know, an alternative exists if you need to buy. And it's just to get people to realize that there are more ways of consuming that are less harmful to the environment. Okay. So how did White Monday go, the first White Monday in Singapore? Yeah, so White Monday in Singapore, we realised that we had to tweak the Europe model to be more contextualised. But because it's our first one, we only had four days to plan. So that meant that it was a lot of rush, like cold emails to tell people, this is the movement, we need to start easy. Maybe can you say things like, for companies, we're not promoting anything on Black Friday, but we would like to share maybe are there other ways. So a lot of alternative companies came up to say, that, yeah, I would love to be part of this. So those are companies that promote swapping, rentals and repair systems. And we were quite surprised to see that there were a lot of influencers who are very ready to say, yeah, we would love to spread this message with you because we understand that they have clients to be accountable to. So the fact that they took that step and say, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to tell people why I'm not buying. But if you are to buy, please think more mindfully or like think before you buy and consider whether that item is going to last long. So next year, can we see another White Monday? We are hopeful that we are going <laughs> to have another one. And we want to really like show that there are local, I guess, solutions to consumption. So your tailors, your cobblers, those are the things that we want to raise in the next White Monday. Okay. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or even on Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now, back to our conversation on environmentally friendly New Year resolutions with Tiyun and Farah. 
two Singaporeans who want more people here to practice the first of the three R's. Reduce. So, I mean, we have so much talk about climate change nowadays. Would you guys be able to share a bit more about the link between waste and climate change? I mean, to you, and you said you have done some research on the environmental impact of 11-11 sales. Could you just share a bit more? Yeah, so I think when I was doing research, there was a study that said that Singles Day in China alone in 2016 actually amounted to 258,000 tonnes of carbon emissions. And this was just from like the t-shirt or apparel sales. And packaging and delivery was another 52,000 emissions. So to me, that was very shocking that one day could result in so much carbon emissions that could have been sort of avoided. And even in terms of wastage, there was like billions of packages being sent out. So there was a lot of wrapping, tape, boxes and plastic. And I think from that, they were speculating about how in 2016, this was 1.88 billion packages already. 2018, they hit their first record sales of like 30 over billion. And 2019, they hit another record sales Mm. of about like, I think, $30.7 billion in sales. So they do expect it to continue to rise. And I just can't imagine how much carbon and plastic that would mean. I think I read an article recently or so that actually a lot of the packages that are sent out during Black Friday or some of those sales are eventually returned back to the merchant. So it's like twice the kind of carbon emissions, right, if you consider the environmental cost it takes to ship an item there and back. So anything else to add, Farah, on this point? I mean, on mindful consumption and how this is going to lead to our carbon footprint, it's also about the whole value chain of how products are being produced, right? So it's not just it being shipped out to you and the packaging involved, there's also the production itself. So I'm a designer by training and part of the training that we had was to actually design products that last for a short time only. And then we also learned about like the materials and the process in which products are actually produced. And that actually already forms a lot of the carbon footprint that we are produced from that. I think this is an area that not many people think about when they buy a product, like the invisible emissions, the environmental cost. When you make an item and the environmental cost to get the item to you, especially for us in Singapore where we have to import so many things. So that's definitely something to consider. Mm -hmm. But I mean, lastly, before we leave, could you just share with our listeners what is one tip that you would give them if someone would want to ease into the environmentally friendly lifestyle? I think for me, the best way that I approach my consumption was just to really rethink everything that you're going to buy. So it's not really to say, okay, I'm not going to buy anything, but more of if I'm going to buy something, is this something that will last? Or if it breaks, you know, is this something I will want to repair or find a way to keep it longer? Is this something that I can resell to a friend? So rethink consumption is something that I'll take away for 2020. Mm, for me, 2020 would be a time for me to like hone my skills in repair. So I started doing my own shoe repair practice at home. And whenever I consume things, I buy things, right? I would consider how long this thing will last and if it needs to be repaired, how would I go about repairing it? So it's more of like buy things that really, really is good. And also if you want to ease into the whole environmental movement, you know, repair is a good start because it doesn't really take a lot to think about like, you know, the carbon footprint or whatever. But it allows you to hone a skill, for example. Yeah, so I think try repair. Yeah, for me, I mean, the f- I've already taken the first step to repair my earrings. Now perhaps I'll go <laughs> a little bit further and see what else in my home I can repair. Yeah. And there you go. So well, thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, thank you. That's a wrap for Green Pulse and we hope you enjoy our discussion. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.